On today's show, the battle over NIL and the issues that are arising, as some believe we are in a pay-for-play error, more so than name, image, and likeness. We'll discuss all that with David Hale of ESPN and get his perspective on all this. And we'll go around the conference as Mizzou lands a big quarterback commitment, some more transfer portal news in football, and Tennessee baseball locks up the SEC East title once again. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. And we start over at Mizzou as a four-star quarterback on their board in their 2023 class has come aboard. Jabari Johnson announced his commitment over the weekend to Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou. He comes out of Tacoma, Washington, listed as six feet tall, 200 pounds, rated a four-star quarterback, the number five product out of the state of Washington. He picked Mizzou over eight other scholarship offers, including Arkansas and five Pac-12 schools. Been a good week for Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou and landed a Juco wide receiver on Friday in Demarion, Houston with Jabari Johnson on board. The Tigers now have four commitments for their 2023 class and presumably their quarterback of the future. Meanwhile, a wide receiver that we're going to keep an eye on, Jalen Robinson. He was a standout wide receiver at UCF, entered the transfer portal, and according to 24-7 Sports, he is expected to decide between Ole Miss and Tennessee. He visited Tennessee this weekend, took a trip to Oxford last month for the Grove Bowl. Uh, We will see uh, where he ends up. This will be the second transfer of his career. He saw limited playing time as a true freshman in 2018 at Oklahoma. He then transferred to UCF to play for Josh Heupel, who was at UCF then. So it would make sense if you wanted to follow him over to Tennessee or if he's buying into what Lane Kiffin is selling at Ole Miss, he could end up there as well. Uh, After sitting out the 2019 season due to transfer rules. He recorded 55 catches for almost 1,000 yards and six touchdowns in 2020. Last year, he missed some time due to injury, had 18 catches for over 300 yards and two touchdowns in six games played. Meanwhile, some good news for Alabama as Miles Kitzelman has joined the Alabama 2022 signing class as a JUCO tight end coming from Hutchinson Community College. Uh, BamaInsider.com reported the news as the six foot six, 250-pound Tight end is heading to Bama. He played three games for Hutchinson as a freshman last year at two catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. So Kitzelman will join a group of Elijah Brown, Imari Nyblack, and Danny Lewis in the 2022 signing class for Bama. Uh, Elijah Brown enrolled early in January, while the other two will join the team in the fall. Meanwhile, over at Florida, some interesting news as uh, Emory Jones, we knew he had entered the transfer portal. He has finally picked his new team. Emory Jones, the quarterback from the Florida Gators, has committed to play for Arizona State. Pete Thamel of ESPN reporting 
and Jones has two years of eligibility remaining. Last season at Florida, he led the Gators in passing and rushing with 2,700 yards passing, 19 touchdowns to go along with over 750 yards rushing. Throughout last season was often viewed by fans as, hey, bench him, let's play Anthony Richardson more. So Anthony Richardson, the starting quarterback for the Gators, Emory Jones off to play in the Pac-12 for Arizona State. Uh, R.J. Adams, offensive lineman over at Kentucky, he has found a new home after two years in Lexington. He announced his commitment over the weekend to Georgia Tech. He entered his name in the portal last month. In his two seasons at Kentucky, he did not see the field, so he's headed off to Georgia Tech. A couple more notes on Florida when we get into some recruiting talk. Uh, Billy Napier and company, they had a productive Saturday on the recruiting trail. First, offensive lineman, Najia Harris, he's staying in the state of Florida. Four-star offensive lineman announced his pledge to Billy Napier. Uh, he's na he named a final five of Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M, Miami, and Oklahoma and picked the Gators. So he's staying in Florida. And shortly after the uh, pledge of Harris, uh, Gainesville athlete Creed Whittemore announced his pledge to the Gators. Whittemore joins his older brother Trent who is entering his fourth season at Florida. Creed is out of the Gainesville area, rated three-star to the number 33 athlete in the class of 2023. Over at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, uh, he lost running back DeAndre Jackson to the transfer portal, and now we know where he is heading. He is headed to play for the Big 12. He is going to Oklahoma State. Jackson spent two seasons at College Station where he had just three carries in five games. He was a three-star prospect coming out of the state of Georgia in 2020. Over at Kentucky, Vince Marrow, the well-respected Kentucky assistant, was on Kentucky Sports Radio this past week and talking a lot about their star quarterback, Will Levis, who's the main reason why Kentucky is getting a lot of off-season love. Vince Marrow said, scouts really like him. I think when they came to our pro day and watched him throw, he made every throw. But what people really don't see is his leadership and how tough he is and how he can galvanize a team. So Will Levis getting a lot of praise from Vince Marrow, and a lot of people think he can be. Uh, you saw some of the early mock drafts for next year. A lot of people think Will Levis can be one of the first few quarterbacks taken next year. Uh, speaking of Kentucky, in some hoops news, they added to their 2022 recruiting class with a Mother's Day commitment. Adu Thiero, a combo guard from Pennsylvania, announced he is heading to Kentucky. So that's a big get for them. He's uh, six foot five, 180 pounds. He was a three-star, number 28 combo guard. In April, he visited Kentucky, Maryland, and Xavier. Had uh, several scholarship offers out to him. Meanwhile, LSU. They're rebuilding under basketball coach Matt McMahon. And just a couple days ago, they picked up a big piece in K.J. Williams, announcing he is coming over from Murray State, where he played for Matt McMahon. He appeared in 34 games last year, averaged 18 points and eight rebounds. So a good player there, the leading scorer and rebounder with the Racers last year. And in some SEC baseball news, Kentucky, the first team of the baseball season to take a series from number one Tennessee. The Wildcats took the first two games of the series in Lexington. And on Sunday, Vanderbilt beat Georgia, so thus Tennessee secured its second straight SEC East title. 
The Vols do have their sights beyond the uh, SEC tournament, though. This is another and a long line of accomplishments for the number one team in the country. Arkansas lost to Auburn on Saturday. Uh, depending on how the rest of this regular season shakes out, we'll see who ends up winning the SEC West. But Tennessee should have at least a three-game lead over Arkansas in overall standings heading into the final six games of the SEC season. Uh, Tennessee did salvage a game on Saturday of beating Kentucky thanks to their pitching duo of Drew Beam and Redmond Walsh. All the Wildcats to two runs. But uh, offense been a big theme of why Tennessee has been so successful this year. For the first time in program history, the Vols have had six players hit double-digit home runs in a season. So pretty impressive what Tony Vitello's crew has been able to do. And there you have it. This is the latest news around the conference. When we return, we are going to catch up with David Hale of ESPN.com to talk about the NIL stuff going on with him and where we are headed with all of this stuff. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And, of course, always fun to remind you guys that summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect match for you to add to your travel bags, to the car for a long road trip, whatever it is. The best part about Built Bars is they are healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bars, you can have both. We tell you all the time, many Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs, packed with 17 grams of protein in there. Compare that to a candy bar. Uh, those are usually double the amount of calories, packed with sugars and dozens of net carbs. If you go to Built.com right now, you can see all the different flavors they have to choose from, from raspberry to double chocolate, banana cream pie. There's literally something for everybody. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to their website, built.com, and when you find something you like, use our promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 get 15% off over at built.com. Check out their puffs and all the different Built Bars covered in 100% real chocolate. I guarantee you're going to find something you like. Built.com, Built Bars. Try them today. Going along here, locked on SEC, and look, there's a lot going on right now when it comes to the NIL deals, and you know, some people kind of questioning, are we in a pay-for-play deal? What is going on? So join us to talk a little bit more on the issues with NIL and how name, image, and likeness has turned into uh, what is at least perceived to be a pay-for-play. It is David Hale from uh, ESPN dot com and he joins us now uh david what's going on man thanks so much for uh for joining us tonight hey my pleasure happy to do it it's nice to uh uh verbally rant to having to type it out in 240 character um limitations so yeah happy to do it uh david let's let's start here man we've seen right here in the sec uh texas a&m uh they just put together a historic number one recruiting class where, where it's perceived that nil deals had a big part in that we're seeing other schools across the conference get guys in the transfer portal because of NIL deals. I mean, there are boosters writing big checks that are per se buying these recruits and transfers, of course, through the guise of the collectives. But, I mean, we're already seeing this this help a lot of programs across the SEC. What's the biggest issue with, with NIL as it stands right now? 
So two things for me, really. Number one is this isn't NIL. We're kind of putting this all under the umbrella of NIL because it is what has opened the door for schools to effectively pay players for their on-field performance. And, and that's not what NIL was intended to be. And I'm not necessarily saying that we shouldn't be paying players. I kind of think we should. But trying to put it all under this same umbrella sort of negates a lot of what uh, NIL really is and what a lot of people are doing that's very cool with NIL. It's been a, a largely – when it's used the way it was intended, it has been a massive positive for college football and for the athletes involved. This is sort of a backdoor pay-for-play. And I don't have a problem with pay-for-play. I just don't think it should be coming through the back door. I think we should be making it above board and have some system in place in which the marketplace that allows players to be paid has rules and regulations and guardrails and stuff that everybody is playing from the same set of, of standards. Right now, we don't have that. It's a free-for-all. It's chaos. And I think that's problematic. And then you know, the reason that this is such a big topic of conversation right now is because what's happening with Jordan Addison at Pittsburgh and possibly going to USC and the money involved and potential tampering. And all of this stuff is not necessarily bad on its face because I think you can make a very strong argument to suggest that Jordan Addison is better off going to USC for a lot of reasons and that college football as a whole is better off if USC is good. But if you are a fan of any team that is essentially not USC, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and a handful of others, what this signals to you is that there's really no sense in investing in your young players anymore. Because while most fans of those schools understood we probably aren't going to win a national championship, they at least could have sort of the uh, occasional All-America superstar um, guy that could deliver them a, a unique and special season and now it's sort of it, it, it is given sort of a pause to i think a lot of people who are standing back and saying like well wait a minute if we get this guy when he was a three-star in alabama didn't care about him and we turn him into a star here and as soon as he becomes a star he leaves for bigger pastures um what is, where does that leave us and, look, I, I, I understand the complexity of the issue, but, and I'm very supportive of the players here. They have been on the wrong side of a power imbalance for way too long. But there's sort of a third stakeholder in all of this that really is not being talked about very much at all, and that's the fans of the sport, the ones whose attention uh, as consumers is what drives the entire economy of college football that makes all of this possible. And, and I think sort of negating what they think or what their concerns are is to overlook something very fundamental to what the sport is all about. Talking with uh, David Hale of ESPN.com, and uh, David um, – you know, look, as I kind of mentioned here with the, uh, you know, the schools and the collectives, uh, the boosters writing big checks, uh, per se, you know, you, you've got the collectives, as we're calling them. We're seeing this help a lot of programs across the SEC already. Uh, I mean, is, is it, it just feels like, you know, it's, it's already happening. I don't know where we go from here. Right. And again, I don't necessarily have an issue if we are going to create a system through which a school can pay a player $100,000 to come play for them. I mean, it's to me, what we're seeing is, to some extent, the market value of these guys. 
um, not NIL market value, but your performance market value. And so I think there's every reason to say Jordan Addison deserves what he gets. Uh, I think that, one, when you're talking about investing in recruits who have not even played at the college level yet, we might see this market shift a bit where some people realize maybe the return on investment is a little too risky there. Um, but two, it's sort of this idea that, like, if you want to essentially professionalize college football, then you need to install the same sort of guardrails that professional free agency has. There are contracts that people have to live up to. There is a specific season in which free agency occurs. It's not a 365-day affair where literally after a Saturday game, another team might say, like, boy, there's a lot of money out here for a wide receiver from Pittsburgh if he wants to take it, and then Jordan Addison's off. Like, th- th- there has to be some – um, you know, any game, which football still is, uh, as much as it is a business too, has to have some set of rules that people are playing by. And this, the rules should apply to everyone the same. And right now, that's just not how it is. So I think there's a lot of people who are not against NIL, who are not even against paying the players. They just want there to be a framework to say, this is the rules we're all living under, and that, those rules apply to Pittsburgh the same as they do to USC. We're talking with David Hale from ESPN.com. We'll talk more on the NILs uh, stuff with him in just a second. But I need to remind you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including, uh, of course, the NBA playoffs, which we're in the thick of, MLB, we're a couple weeks into their season already. We just had the Kentucky Derby over the weekend. Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and plenty more. You can find it all on their website. Head on over there today. You can do so on your mobile device. Learn all about the trends and action. Bet online, it is where the game starts. And again, betonline.net, just go ahead and bookmark it in your phone. It's an easy website to get to and some great information on there. Go check them out. Every day, you should start your day off by going to betonline.net, finding all the sports information you need before you head to start placing your bets, uh, you know, getting in on the action. Betonline.net is the place to do it. Continue our conversation with uh, David Hale of ESPN.com. And, David, let's uh, jump right back into it. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Uh, There are some rules in place now with the NIL, and one of the rules is the school can't pay players, but Booster certainly can. It seems like overall we're somewhat following the rules with schools themselves keeping their hands clean, and it's these collectives and sponsors, you know, paying the kids. So everything – I guess in that realm, seems to be on the up and up. I think you're right, but I think there is a danger in assuming that today is indicative of what tomorrow is going to be. And I'll give you two examples. The first, which we have a little more data on right now, is if you go back in time five or six years to when Bryce Love uh, opted out of playing in a bowl game, and people kind of went crazy a little bit and said, like, oh, no, now no one's going to want to play in a bowl game. And even at the time, I was one of the ones who said, let's tap the brakes on this. It's one or two guys. They're running backs who need to protect themselves more than most positions. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. This isn't a huge problem. And today, it is not a huge problem, but it is more than just one or two guys. It is a few dozen guys every year that are opting out. And so the trajectory in that direction 
can be um, bigger than we think it is today. I, I think it will happen more. And the other thing is, it just sort of what I alluded to with the first question is like, right now we're seeing most of the money from these collectives going towards the recruiting process of high school athletes, uh, or in some cases, recruiting your own players on your own roster. But Recruiting a high school athlete is a riskier proposition that, and, and maybe less expensive, but certainly riskier than getting a guy who has already done it at the college level the way that Jordan Addison has. So let's say two or three years from now, um, a few of these guys, these big recruits, Texas A&M's recruits, for example, just don't pan out. They don't live up to the expectations that everybody had for them. And, and that happens within recruits, even five-star recruits. And these Boosters who have been de uh, donating to these collectives say, well, wait a minute, why am I spending money on these guys who are real wild cards? Why don't I just go out and say, look, there's a million dollars out there for the top ten players in the country if you want to come to Texas A&M. And so it's sort of a lesson of industry that, that they may want to move their money, their investment from riskier uh options to safer options and those more developed established players become the safer option so again there's no guaranteeing this happens i fully agree right now we are making a very small thing into a very big thing but i think that it's not unreasonable to look down the road into the future and say well that big thing might not be that far off and there's a pretty clear path on how we get there Continue our conversation with David Hale, ESPN.com. And David, uh, Ross Dellinger wrote a piece in Sports Illustrated saying there's a, a purgatory here between amateurism and professionalism. Experts say collective bargaining could be coming and you know could lead to, to actual revenue sharing with schools and athletes. Do you think that's where this thing could be headed? I think that is the only way out of this that doesn't get very gross and ugly. Uh, I think it is to some extent an inevitability. What that looks like when it happens and when it happens, I think, is very much up in the air. Um, there's a lot of incentive for just maintaining the status quo as long as you can possibly maintain it because you have TV deals and a lot of money and a lot of people who are not, you know, the, the, the people within administration and leadership in college sports are incredibly risk-averse people. Nobody, even Greg Sankey, I don't think, wants to be the first one to walk out on the ledge and say, all right, we're leaving the safety of the harbor that has existed for decades to create a new system that will be better for everyone in the long run but has a lot of risk today. Is a completely new thing today. And so I just I, I worry about what kind of damage gets done to the sport and to the fan base between now and whenever that purgatory sort of ends and we start to find a new normal in college football. Because right now we are going through growing pains, and I do think there is a way out. I do think that, that the likeliest way out is that sort of unionization, collectively bargained um, employment terms. But I also don't know who's going to be the one shepherding us into that new reality. And in the interim, there's room for a lot of bad things to happen. And right now we're celebrating in a lot of cases that players are back or have some power and are getting paid. But there's also room for that to go wrong on the other, on the other side, too. And, and there's a lot of shady people involved in this. It has the risk of becoming kind of like AAU basketball. And we don't want it to look like that. So to me, it's, it's, it's about leadership right now. It's about finding people who have uh, a forward-thinking vision uh, and are willing to embrace reality. And frankly, 
you guys look around college sports and tell me how many people you've seen that that, that description is fitting of right now. He is David Hale, ESPN. Great stuff. Go give David a follow on Twitter. He is at a David Hale Joint. Uh, David, thanks for the time, man. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, there you have it. That is uh, David Hale of ESPN. Appreciate him uh, taking some time out to join us here on Locked On SEC. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Again, my thanks to David Hale for joining us to talk about the NIL stuff and and changes are going to come. You know, Greg Sankey's trying to ask the government for assistance. They need some kind of oversight, some kind of regulation. It's just, as everyone has said, the genie is out of the bottle. How do we wrangle this thing in? Name it what you like this. You can go get paid for whatever you want. Oh, wait. You can't get paid to come play football. But the schools aren't paying. It's the boosters paying them. Oh, okay. That's still kind of a problem. That's still pay for play, kind of, technically. As you can see, it's a weird, weird, tough road to go down. And that's why we like having guys like David on to uh, talk through it. But uh, if anyone's going to benefit, the SEC's benefiting, certainly. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. My thanks again to you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts like Locked on Bama, Locked on Bulldogs, Locked on just about every school across the SEC, we've got you covered. Go check them out wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys later this week.